0: You're about to hear a podcast by, about, and for teenagers, and anyone else who wants to hear what's on our minds. This is listener-supported work, so please consider pitching in. Text TBHPOD to 44321 and decide how much you can donate. Then enjoy the show. Thanks.
1: K-A-L-W.
0: This is TBH. I'm Samuel Getacho. This podcast is made by, about, and for teenagers, and for anybody else who wants to hear what's on our minds. We've saved one of the most influential topics in our world for today, music. I'm going to walk you through a universal experience for almost any teenager. Picture this, you're in that morning rush getting ready to go to school. You get dressed, fix your hair, maybe grab something to eat, and you do a quick inventory of everything you need. Backpack, check. Water bottle, check. Keys, check. Phone, check. You're out the door, already on your way, just past the point of no return. You reach into your pocket and feel the pit of your stomach drop. You forgot your headphones. Your day is absolutely ruined. I don't come from a particularly musical household. Every so often, my mother would put on old Ethiopian music, but beyond the occasional Telahun Gasesa song, the music that played in our home was the music I put on. I discovered Spotify when I was around 11 or 12, and I was instantly addicted. The music I listen to dictates so much of my life, my emotions, and my happiness. Whether I'm working, exercising, commuting, almost every part of my day has a soundtrack. I never leave the house without headphones and the artists I listen to are my role models in many ways. For example, I want to write for the page the way that Frank Ocean writes music. I'm inspired by Beyonce's work ethic. I strive to match Baby's confidence, or Jhene Aiko's honesty, or Solange's innovation, or Smino's originality, or Wale's creativity. And I'm far from unique in this aspect. Everyone around me loves music too. Ready to hear some testimonials? Let's go.
2: My name is Shaniah Thomason and I'm a sophomore at Brighton High School. I grew up listening to music all my life. As I got older, I started to like the stations my parents played since I heard them so often. I've been exploring my music choices since I've been sad pretty much all the time. I started listening to Juice WRLD over the summer and other artists like him and it changed my life. Music has become my way of dealing with everything. If I'm sad, I'll turn on a Little Pete playlist or Lausanne or Billie Eilish. I literally have a playlist for anything, but it's come to the point where I don't even talk to anyone at school because I always have my earphones in, which isn't a good thing. I'm glad I opened up my music choices because now I have no clue what I would do without Lil Peep.
1: My name is Cole Pepper, and I'm a junior at Lincoln High School. When I was 14, I started to really mess around with garage band presets and loops. When I was 15, I made a friend through a group chat on social media, and I mentioned that I was starting to work on music. He told me he had a podcast called Beautiful Losers, and I eventually ended up making an original theme song for them. I was very happy hearing my music get out there, and that feeling inspired me to focus more heavily on music. I haven't really had any production training or formal training in music, but I've taught myself through trial and error and videos online. I think if I stick with it, I can do this work professionally.
0: My name is Samantha Lay. I go to Galileo Academy, and I'm in 10th grade. When I was 8, I lost someone very close to me, and he's my brother, and it broke me emotionally. Every single thing around me went downhill and I didn't feel like there was a purpose in life at that point. Then I turned to music to help me cope. One of the songs that stood out to me when I was trying to find my own vibe was I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston. I'd listen and sing to it every day. Singing to this song had helped me emotionally and mentally. Everything started looking better for me. Coping with his death. With this song had let me experience closure, which is difficult at any age, but especially traumatizing to a third grader at the time. To this day, my brother still lives on in my heart, and this song still helps me at times. Pretty much all of us have felt the power of music, and in recent years, the music that has taken over our radio stations, festival stages, and music charts has predominantly been hip-hop and rap. According to Rolling Stone, hip-hop accounted for nearly a quarter of all song consumption in 2018. The year before that, rap surpassed rock music as the most popular music genre in the United States, according to Nielsen Music's year-end report. Ask any teenager, and they could tell you the same thing. What was once an underground culture created by the black community for the black community has swept across all of mainstream entertainment, with white suburban teens consuming rap as eagerly as black urban ones. Matthew Policarpio is a 12th grader from San Francisco. A lot of his friends are die-hard rap fans, but he didn't get it. So he spoke with several musicians to try to understand the art form better.
3: Rap. I used to like listening to it until I started paying attention to lyrics. I was driven away after hearing nothing but songs with curse words that glorified drugs and violence. Songs Like Rockstar by Post Malone. That song was nominated for Record of the Year at last year's Grammys. In the first eight lines, Post Malone degrades women, glorifies more than one drug, and threatens gun violence twice. His sophomore album, Beerbongs and Bentleys, Broke global streaming records only one day after release. It includes songs like Zack and Codeine and "Taking Shots. I don't think music should be a way to degrade other humans and promote violence. I prefer songs that uplift my mood or that I can connect with emotionally. So I wondered, why are most of my friends diehard rap fans? And why does mainstream hip hop promote so much negativity? My friend Cole Pepper doesn't just love rap, he's a music producer who goes by a name Hot Francis and works with a lot of young rappers in the San Francisco Bay Area, like Zanubis, a 19 year old who's been gaining a following across multiple online platforms. I came
0: to be one called that night, a world so dark, a boy so bright, jumped in a mental maze. Days, I'm his face Do you got time for me Because I don't got time to waste
3: When I ask him about the mainstream side of rap, he's on my side.:
1: I don't think it's the greatest representation of what the genre represents because a lot of it is just I have money, I have sex, I will kill you um, without much like connection between those even a lot of the time and I think that's kind of the fault of just pushing the easiest to make music rather than the best, necessarily, into the mainstream.
3: So to get away from that, Cole says I need to listen to more rap and what's on the radio. He says I should put in my own research. This song is by Coffee J is a founder of Hip Hop for Change in Oakland. The group's mission is to create solutions to socio-economic injustices through hip hop culture. They educate people with workshops and lectures and create a platform for conscious rap. For Coffrey, community comes first. They're constantly canvassing and getting involved with locals fight against the negative stereotypes that mainstream hip-hop promotes.
2: When hip-hop first came out, hip-hop was, it happened in the community. It wasn't on the radio at all, you know what I'm saying? Hip-hop happened in alleyways in parks, and parks and house parties where you actually had to engage with hip-hop.
3: In the 1970s, the Bronx was facing an intense surge of violence. A respected peace counselor was killed, and gangs around the borough agreed to a truce to stop the violence. Instead, People organized block and house parties.
0: Hey, everybody jump, 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 jump.
3: They breakdanced, MC'd, DJ'd, and created connections through hip hop.
2: Hip hop is a culture that's rooted in the tenets and principles of peace, love, unity, and having fun. Uh, hip hop is the voice of a real community of disenfranchised urban people.
3: Coffrey says that rap became an outlet for African American youth to express themselves. He says that the mainstream media either ignored or degraded black communities, but hip-hop was different. In fact, public enemy rapper Chuck D once called rap CNN for black people.
2: people
3: Coffrey tells me that in the mid-80s, hip-hop began to really blow up. Hip-hop began to infiltrate rock, and rock began to influence hip-hop. 1986 hip-hop icons, Run-DMC, did a cover of Aerosmith's Walk This Way. It was even more popular than the original. B.C. Boys started as a hardcore punk rock band, but then bought rap into their music. Their album, Licensed to Ill, was the first rap album to hit number one on the Billboard charts. What started out in black urban neighborhoods was now mainstream.
0: You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
3: NWA's Straight Out of Compton was released in 1988. NWA called itself the World's Most Dangerous Group. Songs like Gangsta Gangsta and Dope Man are about violence in inner cities. And Coffrey says these kinds of songs were hits.
2: People started to realize, wow, these kids in the suburbs like this gangster stuff so much more. Uh, you know, it's that kind of a hood narrative that they eat up. And they have more money than kids in the hood. So you, then you see literally the industry move towards promoting this gangster rap that these young suburban white
3: kids are eating up. Then, the 1996 Telecommunications Act passed under Bill Clinton and consolidated corporate control of the media. Now, only three corporations own the majority of hip-hop record labels. Universal, Sony, and Warner. Coffrey's worried these companies choose what messages they want rap to send.
2: Since we're so segregated, this becomes what people think we are. And that's the problem. That's where our kids get incarcerated more. That's where our kids get denied jobs, get denied health care, get denied education. That's where the school-to-prison pipeline starts, with the bias that hip-hop industry creates.
3: That's why Coffee created Hip-Hop for Change, to fight back against the messages these corporations are perpetuating about African-American communities, to bring hip-hop back to the people.
2: You know, we can't beat corporations. And generally speaking, we don't have to. They can keep all that stuff, and they can entertain 75% suburban white men all they want to with pathological narratives. What I think is important, what I see, is communities, again, uh, organizing around hip-hop and hip-hop culture and hip-hop narratives. That's what I see, and that's what I hope for.
3: After talking to Coffrey, I realized I had been searching for rap music in the wrong places. I went to find a musician in my community who raps about what I want to hear, I found Julian Hall, better known as Jules Dorado. He's a 28-year-old San Franciscan who started out freestyling with friends, then took hip-hop classes in high school. And honestly, he's not what I imagine when I think of rap. He's got a friendly voice and loves to talk about emotions.
0: like
3: Like in his song, Anxiety. I don't often hear people getting vulnerable, but Jules does. And that's why I think I could get into his music. He's proud to be part of a local rap scene that he says is putting the power back in the people's hands. He says that with the internet... Rappers like him no longer need major record labels to make it in the industry. There are some songs, even
0: from from artists who a lot of us would consider woke and who are legends in the game, who said some kind of awful stuff um, back in the 90s. Um, and now I feel like with the internet and us being so connected to people's individual experiences and with, you know, the, there's just, I feel like that's creating a level of empathy um, in our like next generation, even the kids that are younger than me, um, you know, uh, being aware and trying not to hurt people with the things we say and the way we do it.
3: I don't hate rap anymore. I just hate what corporations have done to warp its original message. I've learned that before you hate a genre of music, you should ask yourself if you know the whole story behind the culture of it.
2: So the next time you ask yourself where hip-hop is going, ask yourself, where am I going? How am I doing? And you get a clear idea.
0: That story was reported by Matthew Policarpio. He's a senior at Abraham Lincoln High School in San Francisco.
2: And hip hop will get better until the people get better. then how do people get better? Well my mind is saying if people get better when they start to understand that they are valuable and they're not valuable because they got a whole lot of money because somebody think they sexy, but they're valuable because they've been created by God.
0: I found it interesting that one of the first artists Matthew mentioned was Post Malone a white man who grew up in the suburbs and seems to have no lived experience to serve as the basis of his lyrical content. He was once documented saying, quote, If you're looking for lyrics, if you're looking to cry, if you're looking to think about life, don't listen to hip-hop. Fascinatingly enough, this is the kind of artist that is now upheld by institutions like the Recording Academy as the supposed pinnacle of hip-hop. And in turn, lyrical content like Post Malone's is what starts to shape the reputation of hip-hop. I think if we want to talk about the complete commercialization and commodification of hip-hop, we have to talk about how easily we allow white artists to enter the genre and succeed without any kind of acknowledgement or respect for the culture and its roots. We have to talk about how we have made the appropriation of hip-hop and black culture so profitable. You've been listening to TBH. It's produced by KALW Public Radio. Thank you again to all the teenagers who contributed to this show. Much appreciation to Holly J. McDeed for teaching, editing, and managing, to Kristen Camlis for teaching, editing, and engineering, to our artists, Daoud Anthony and Awan Mance, to the other folks who made this show possible, including Shireen Adle, Gabe Graben, James Rollins, and Ben Trefney. And to Cal Humanities, the Association for Continuing Education, and the California Arts Council for their support. Our next episode will be the final one of the season. We'll meet a young musician who performs at our community's most important events
1: baptisms, weddings, quinceañeras, birthday parties, patriotic holidays, and also even funerals.
0: We're exploring the preservation of culture on the next episode of TBH. If you like what you've heard, be sure to spread the word. You can do that by giving us a rating and a review on your podcast provider. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Samuel Gattachan. You just heard a podcast made possible by listener support. You're a listener. Please show your support. Text T-B-H-P-O-D to 44321 and decide how much you can donate. Thank you.